It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back to the Damian Gracia Show, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSportsRadio.com. The boys of summer are on a hiatus, but that doesn't mean I stopped talking about them. In fact, I got a bone to pick with Major League Baseball, and no, it's not about Pete Rose. It's actually about something that has been bothering most sports watchers for the last 10 to 15 years now, ever since the days of the evil empire with George Steinbrenner running the New York Yankees with cash first, ask questions later. My main point of contention is once again baseball's need for a salary cap. Basketball has one. Even hockey has one. The NFL, who is the number one sport in the world, has a salary cap, a hard cap. The NBA has a repeater tax for those who are constantly over the cap. So baseball, the national pastime, they of the $170 million contract for maybe a utility infielder or fourth outfielder the way they're going, refuses to have a salary cap. And you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me, well, Damon, you know, the Royals actually won the World Series this past year and their payroll isn't that high. It's not about that. It's about the fact that David Price, who's only won two postseason games, can get a borderline $180 million contract from the Boston Red Sox? Are you kidding me? The man's won two playoff games. It's not like he's won rings. It's not as if he, he's a perennial person pitching in the World Series for his team. What, he took Tampa to one, I guess, one playoff series, a couple playoff series. He had one magical run with them. Another time with Toronto this past season. He was pulled from the starting rotation because he had playoff yips. He was a reliever in a mop-up role. But the Boston Red Sox still saw fit to give this man millions and millions of dollars. Johnny Cueto, he of formerly the Kansas City Royals and the Cincinnati Reds, turned down a $160 million deal from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And what did the Diamondbacks do? They go and fork over 200 some million for Zach Greinke. Now, don't get me wrong. Zach Greinke is a great MLB pitcher. He's a great pitcher. But has he, won a, has he contributed to a winning team? Has he won a ring? When was the last, I want to say, with the exception of maybe the Arizona Diamondbacks with Schilling and Johnson, where you had such a dominating one-two that actually went the whole way, who won the chip. So my point with baseball is the fact that they're still shelling out these ubiquitous monies to pitchers. I mean, think about even for position players. Robinson Cano is still collecting that 200-some-odd million from the Seattle Mariners. And rumor has it, after year two, he wants to leave. You really think in a sport that is sagging behind the NFL, that is starting to sag behind the NBA in a lot of markets. They're not attracting the best athletes. And they don't have a salary cap. 
when is baseball going to start caring about the fact that someone like Zach Greinke, Johnny Cueto, can get $200 million contracts, but they don't translate to wins? It was like when the when Anaheim, <laughs> when the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, whatever the hell they're called now, forked over that, what, 10-odd year for Albert Pujols, who now is nothing more than a glorified designated hitter? Come on, man. Give me a break with this. Baseball, what the hell? Giancarlo Stanton of the Marlins, $240 million. I mean, granted, this kid is a monster. He's a beast. But do you really want to tie up $240 million? And yes, I know with the way contracts are structured, see Bobby Bonilla, that you can defer payments for as long as humanly possible toward the end of a contract. Or if you want to buy somebody out. I get that. But baseball, instead of focusing on Pete Rose and why he's not in the Hall of Fame and why he hasn't been reinstated in baseball, instead of focusing on why Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, and all the supposed steroid cheats out there are never going to get into the Hall of Fame, can we work on minimizing payroll all across the board? And I know there's a bunch of parity in baseball right now. Given, like I said, the Royals, they didn't have the highest payroll. Teams like the Rays, the A's are constantly in contention. But you got to do something about these out of control payrolls. I mean, I'm a New York Met fan and I'm used to, you know, them having a pauper's mentality as far as rationing, you know, rationing out contracts. But at what point, baseball, do you think, well, the demographic we're targeting, at what point are they not going to want to pay for tickets? Are you pricing out the average Joe? Now, I'm the average Joe. And I can tell you right now, I only went to one Met game this year. And because it was free. And it was a free buffet, but that's beside the point. But baseball and the need for a salary cap. Just think about how much more parity they'd be in the game if we actually incorporated a hard cap. I mean, the Yankees spent all this money. The Red Sox spent all this money. And they don't, it doesn't generate to wins. And again, you're listening to Dare to be Damien, Damien Gross's show, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSportsRadio.com. But think about it like this. If the Chicago Cubs or any big market team was given a, a salary cap of, give me about $92 million, you don't think you could put together a competitive ball club for $92 million? If the Royals can do it, the Astros can do it. And, and, and again, this probably goes back to scouting where you can have this cheap talent at the major league level for about five years or so, four years or so until they're eligible for arbitration. And then they get those incremental raises going in the millions, unless you're a super two like Chris Bryant. But for every other player in baseball, you, you mean to tell me teams are happy with signing guys like Johnny Cueto for 180, for signing people like Zach Greinke for 220? or whatever the number is, for Clayton Kershaw getting 2-some-odd, Giancarlo Stanton, like I referenced before, getting 240, does that tick you off as a fan? Because, personally, I'm annoyed. I'm really annoyed by it. And I'm okay with the payroll restrictions that the New York Mets had. I'm fine with that, because a good team, notice I say team, will beat a group of mercenaries. You know it, I know it. How many All-Stars, and I mean perennial All-Stars, come out of those high-budget teams and are actually contending. 
save the occasional Yankee dynasty, quote-unquote, from the 90s into the early 2000s, what else do you got? The Boston Red Sox, yeah, they spend money, but they've won the World Series, what, two out of the last seven years or something of that derivative? And they're still in last place from last year, signing Hanley Ramirez, signing Pablo Sandoval, now with David Price. Who is it? Chris Davis from the Baltimore Orioles just turned down $160 million. And he's a borderline all-star. So baseball, get your act together. Am I being hard on baseball? Maybe I am. You know what? I don't mind. But let me know your questions. 347-792-867 is the number. Damien underscore Gracia, hotmail.com. Again, Chris Davis, borderline all-star, turns down $160 million. And speaking of not even borderline All-Stars. Let's talk about future All-Stars. In the NBA tonight, you got two marquee young talents going up against each other. Find out why and who. Dare to be Damien, Damien Gross' show, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSportsRadio.com. Damien Gross' show, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSportsRadio.com. Before the break, we were addressing Chris Stapps Porzingis versus Carl Anthony Towns. And I got tired of hearing myself talk, so I brought my friend Dan Schwartzman in from this very network, co-host 10 to 1, going deep. Dan, let's get right into it. Tonight, Porzingis, Towns, at this point in their career, who's getting more value from the draft pick, in your opinion? The Wolves or the Knicks? That's a good question, and it's, it's really hard to break it down. And the reason I'm going to say Porzingis is they already have the established superstar in New York. The question has always been, can they go out there and buy a second option in free agency? The answer was not really. They could get pieces in place, but not a true number two that you look at and say, they can kind of grow together the next couple of years. Maybe F. Lalo's that guy, but he's not. he's got a limited role. He's a good player, but that's what he is. Mm-hmm. Towns, on the other hand, they don't have that guy. Wiggins is a very good young player going into year two, so you can kind of just grow with another young player together. But Porzingis has come in and legitimately has given Carmelo Anthony a true second option that has made Carmelo, I think, a lot more secure with what's happening here as he ages with years left on his contract, that there is a bright future because they have this young guy who has an immense ability. And I think you notice that because of the way Carmelo Anthony has reacted. He's been very positive. Even the wife has said it's time to invite Porzingis over for dinner. (laughs) So I, I think the importance and the value is there because of what Porzingis has meant, not just to the team and the city, because he's been a huge economic boon for the Knicks, but also because Carmelo Anthony, I think, was at a stage in his career wondering, what's next? I'm getting paid, but what's next with the team? He now sees kind of a brighter future. While Towns is still part of the process of seeing what they actually have there in Minnesota Mm -hmm. because they don't have an established superstar. So it's close, and they're both great young players, but I'm going Porzingis in terms of value. Okay. Well, you mentioned the fact that Melo has, in a sense, taken on this mentorship role. This seems like new territory for Melo. Is is the media hype about Porzingis justified? Granted, he's pretty much averaging a double-double now with about three blocks a game. But considering that Melo has transition from, like you said, a superstar talent. How do you think this mentor role fits Melo when the knock on him has been he can't make teammates better? He never has made a teammate better. In Denver, he never made a teammate better. Mm-hmm. Allen Iverson comes in and he made <laughs> Iverson worse. Yeah. Okay, Comes to the Knicks, refused to mentor Jeremy Lin when Lin Sanity was huge for that those couple of months. And that turned a lot of people off. Right. But I think Melo's desperate. 
He's mm-hmm. going to have a Hall of Fame career, but he's probably not going to have any championships. He's between a rock and a hard place. If he leaves the Knicks, it's with his tail between his legs because he came back to New York where he was born. He's raised in Baltimore, but he's from New York. His wife's born and raised in Brooklyn. And if he leaves, it's on his own accord because he has a no-trade clause that he would have to waive. But he would leave essentially a failure. So I think for him, it, it behooves him to be this mentor to Porzingis because it helps his game, A. And B, the Knicks are going to have money available the next couple of years. And they need more of an attractive landing spot for a free agent because just New York itself is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mello himself, well-liked in the league, by the way, is not going to do it. But now you add this other guy, Porzingis, and another free agent like a Durant or something like that might say, you know what, Mello, me, and a big guy with those skills in the middle, we can win. So I think Mello has embraced Porzingis. I think it's legit. He seems to really like the kid. They sit there together on the, you know, on the bench talking. Uh, from all indications, they've gotten along very well since he's gotten there. So I think for Mello, has he helped Porzingis' game? I think in the sense of making him feel comfortable and welcome to the team, yes. In terms of on the court at times, maybe not because Melo still will selfishly take shots. But compared to what we've known about Melo over the you know the, the course of the you know, 12 years now or so he's been in the league, this is a different Melo. And mm-hmm. I think Porzingis is a reason why he's a different Melo. So I'm going to give Carmelo credit for kind of opening his arms to a young player that on day one after the draft, we had heard that Mello was not happy with that pick. Right. And again, we're talking with Dan Schwartzman, NBC Sports Radio, listening to the Damian Grassi show of the same network. I want to shift gears in the NBA off the Knicks. I want to discuss about the Golden State Warriors, not so much their win streak, but where they stand. Granted, last year they won 60-some-odd games, won the NBA title, looking as if they're a well-loyal machine, people coming back. But what I'm interested in seeing, and you know the West is a bloodbath. Yes. The Spurs actually have a better point differential than the Warriors. But all we're hearing about is about Steph Curry, the babyface assassin, Iguodala, the Splash Brothers, etc. But all reliable Tim Duncan, now with LaMarcus Aldridge, David West, Ginobili, and the, and the like, is the Spur- are the Spurs, in your opinion, how dangerous are they in the West as opposed to, let's say, the Clippers? I think they're very dangerous because, to me, they may have the greatest X's and O's coach in my lifetime watching mm-hmm. basketball. Phil Jackson's got the rings. Riley's got the reputation. But really, you're going to take them over Popovich in terms of an X's and O's moment at the end of a game? I'm not. I'm taking Popovich. You also have the consummate team there. The superstars like Duncan, he knows his role. He knows he's getting up there in age. Still a very good player, don't get me wrong. But it, it, they've allowed LaMarcus Aldridge to kind of grow <laughs> right in there. He hasn't even that great yet, to be no. honest with you. He's only going to get better there as he gets more comfortable. I think they're incredibly dangerous. The Clippers, to me, are a flawed team because you can always just stick DeAndre Jordan at the line in a crucial moment, or you take him out of the game if you're Doc Rivers, but then you lose the defensive aspect. So they have a tough spot there. Everybody on San Antonio does something good, you know, something well. Everybody there has a role that they play very well. I think Golden State's still the best team, but you're right. While they're getting all the attention, the San Antonio Spurs have won a ton of games. Their record's pretty close, frankly, and they're gelling and getting better, adding a superstar in the mix. You don't think by game number 82, as they get ready for the postseason, they're not going to maybe be even more dangerous than Golden State? I think they're just as talented, Mm -hmm. 
and Aldridge has brought that factor there, absolutely they're a heck of a lot scarier than, say, the Clippers or anybody else in the West if you're Golden State thinking about who could be the team that derails you. Okay. So in the Eastern Conference, who a lot of people made the assertion that the Hawks last year were Spurs light in yes. a sense. Other than Miami, who seems surprisingly so at Hassan Whiteside in the middle, Chris Bosh back from the blood clot issue, beside the Bulls, Jimmy Butler, who's a dark horse in the East that you think could make some noise, given the state we're in in the NBA now? I Honestly, I like the Celtics. Uh, really? I'll t- yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't think they're that talented, but, man, give me a better coach than Brad Stevens. Remember last year, uh. they tried to tank. They shipped off Rondo. <laughs> Brad Stevens didn't play along with the script. Nope. They were a 500 team almost, okay? This year, again, I don't think they're that talented. There's some good young talent. There's some good young players. Isaiah Thomas has nothing to sneeze at. He's nothing to sneeze at, true. And, you know, like guys like Olenek, guys like that are good role players. They're good players. Crowder, guys like that. But, man, Brad Stevens can coach. He really can't. I'd cart him for a rated R movie. <laughs> I wouldn't sell him alcohol at a liquor store. But give me a seven-game series, and I think Brad Stevens could find a way to make it interesting. They're not Cleveland. They're not Chicago if Rose is healthy. Mm. But I think they're a team that potentially could make waves, could could make a series interesting, could win a first-round type of series, because there is enough talent and great coaching on that team to give people headaches. Okay. Now, I want to laugh out loud, but I'm going to preface this by saying I'm a basketball lover. And again, you're listening to the Damien Grassi Show, NBC Sports Radio, talking with Dan Schwartzman. The Philadelphia 76ers. Love it. They make our job a lot easier by being so bad that they can't even beat the Washington Generals. With Jerry Colangelo coming on board, does, first off, Sam Hinkie, does he have to worry about his job? That's one thing. Second of all, in your opinion, what's the plan in Philly? I don't think he has to worry about his job because I don't know if Colangelo wants the responsibilities of being a full-time GM. Mm -hmm. I I think (laughs) he wants to be more of a president with a stake in ownership, which is what we're hearing. Mm -hmm. He may need to help, uh, you know, he's got to help out Josh Harris, the owner maybe, (sighs) uh, because I don't think he knows what he's doing. But here's the thing. What are they doing in Philly? Well, this is now a a three-and-a-half-year rebuild. It's an absolute joke. They've, I mean, Nerlens Noel is a terrible offensive player. I think he's very limited. I know he came out with a lot of hype from Kentucky. Yes, he can block shots. Sure, he can rebound. He's got no offensive ability, okay? Joel Embiid may never play a single minute for Philadelphia. You couldn't kill him for drafting him when they did, considering many had felt that he'd be a number one overall pick, even though he only played 19 college games. But Kyrie Irving barely played in college to his one year. So, can't kill him on that. The problem is his work, work ethic's been terrible. Have they done a good enough job trying to kick him in the rear end to get it going? I'm not sure. Hard to say. You draft Dario Sarge, the kid won't leave Europe. There's no reason for You know, they keep saying he's going to be there next year. There's no reason for him to come next year. If he waits one more year, he's in a better financial situation than if he comes next year because of the way the whole rookie cap and the rookie, I mean, excuse me, the rookie contracts play out. Right. You know, Okafor is a guy, again, you can't kill him for taking... Uh, Oka for number three, or excuse me, number four, number three in the draft. Mm-hmm. He was there. Okay, he's a talent. There's limitations, but he's a talent. They need to get the number one overall pick. If they get it and pick up Ben Simmons, the kid out of LSU right. via Australia, who's a fantastic talent, 
then maybe you start to see the semblance of an idea. But for them to have to rely on winning a lottery, and that's exactly what it is, winning a lottery, and usually the team with the world's worst record doesn't get the first overall pick, the reality is that shows there is no plan. So you've been losing all these games, you're losing fans, you're a laughing stock in the league, all with your fingers crossed that you get Ben Simmons, because that's the only way you can justify to the fans that maybe this was all worth it. They don't get Ben Simmons. I don't know what the heck they're going to do because they've left themselves so bare. I mean, 1-25 in 25 <laughs> is an absolute travesty in a basketball-rich city. And wasn't there one win against the Lakers? Amazingly, yes. <laughs> Kobe Bryant's return to his final game in Philly was the only win they had. Wow. Pathetic. That, I'm, I'm dang near speechless. Think about this real quick. This is a city that has had the likes of Rasheed Wallace come out of right. there. They've had talent come out from the high school ranks. Mm-hmm. There's seven Division I college basketball team pretty much within the city limits. Mm-hmm. What other city offers that? Or excuse me, there's six, I guess six teams. Drexel, LaSalle, St. Joe's, Villanova, Temple, and UPenn. That's six teams right there within the city limits or right on that border. No other city has that. It's a great basketball town until you get to the NBA franchise. <laughs> maybe they can bring up one of the teams from college to play in the Kind of the all-stars of all the uh, the big six city schools? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, don't they do that in co- in uh, soccer where they demote a team if they're not up to snuff to like In the Premier League, yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> so maybe they can do that to the Sixers. Like, hey, we'll send you down to the D-League and then we'll bring up the Fort Wayne Raptors or something like Why that. Why not? Pretty much what you're watching is it's the Fort Wayne Raptors and uh, Okafor and maybe New Orleans as well. That's what it is. Well, if you combine Noel with Okafor, maybe you have an actual talent. Yeah, the offense defensively and the defense. Enough. So yeah. like the Lopez brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can they do that genetically? It's possible. The way we're going with science, I think that's possible. Can you clone you know, Okafor and Noel together mm-hmm. into the dominating force? You would hope. At least not with the drinking issues, though. And getting guns pulled on. No, no guns yeah, pulled on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you hope you get the personality of Nerland's Noel and not... Okay, for yeah, and he do, and the person doesn't have the knees of Noel coming off that ACL. Injury. That's right. Nah, too complex. I think okay. too much genetic uh, manipulation. Still better than what the Sixers are putting nah, out there that's now. That's definitely true. Who is it? Jeremy Grant, <laughs> Robert Covington. Anybody? No. Nick Stauskas. When he got traded there, must have been like the black hole. My no. career's close to ending already that I got shipped to Philly. No, I, I saw him the other day. I saw him uh, when they played the Knicks uh, uh, last week or so. Every time he got the ball. Shot. Every time he got the ball, shoot. He didn't pass the ball once. No one passes on the team. Because everybody's auditioning to try to get on a better team because the next alternative is the D-League. Well, D-League or, well, I'd rather be in the D-League, honestly, than losing. Or go to Europe. Yeah, at least get paid. Six figures, yeah. Yeah. Again, we're talking with Dan Schwartzman of this very network. You're listening to Damon Gross' show, NBC Sports Radio. I want to get you out of here on this. You mentioned the international players. They the Much is made with Porzingis as the supposed next Dirk. Where do you think the NBA, as far as a global game, is going to turn next as far as franchises or even markets to get talent? Wow, they they mine the world, I think, as good as anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's players from South America. There's a guy from Iran, even. Okay, You have talent from Europe and Asia. Australia is now being represented even more. Listen, Porzingis playing the way he does, not being that soft, white guy, which is as racist as it gets when you think about a characterization of a player. Right. Soft Euro. Is a soft Euro. Soft, big, white, tall Euro guy. Right. 
Dirk kind of fits that because Dirk was never the defensive guy. Dirk is not a banger as much. Mm -hmm. Porzingis is really kind of breaking down those walls. That may open the game up more for the Latvia, that area, Mm. where a lot of these quote-unquote soft, white, tall guys come from because that's where Porzingis comes from. I think maybe it will open the door for guys to be more seriously looked at playing in some of these Euro leagues. Porzingis didn't put up big numbers in Spain. No. And when he got trapped, people say, oh, my God, he only averaged nine, ten points and four rebounds in Spain. What's he going to do in the NBA? But that was one of the top leagues in Spain. See, but you know that. He also was 18, 19 years old mm-hmm. playing against older competition. Right. They also don't play a lot of minutes. I mean, it, it, there's so many factors that went into it. But we don't look at that. We look at the stats and wonder how a guy like that struggles. I always, I always bring <laughs> up Alex, you know, Alex Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals, the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. If you look at his numbers playing for like the Russian, you know, in the Russian league or whatever, it wasn't like he's putting up 40 goals in 30 games like you would expect considering he dominates in the NHL scoring goals. He scored like nine goals in 40 games playing in Russia. Doesn't mean he didn't know how to score goals. It's the other factors. He's a young guy, the systems they play in. So I think with the success of a Porzingis, somebody mm-hmm. like that, people will look a little bit more seriously at the talent in those leagues. And I think that opens the door for guys that maybe wouldn't get the respect because they fit a certain wrong stereotype as to what their game might be. You heard it here, folks. Dan Schwartzman of this very network giving his NBA round ball two cents. Again, you're listening to Dare to be Damien, Damien Gross's show, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSportsRadio.com. We go from the round ball to the pigskin, and who do you pick, Brock Osweiler or Peyton Manning? The choice isn't that simple. Find out why. Damien Gross's show, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSportsRadio.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.